What is going on, Trash Talkers? We are back with another episode for you. Today, we start off by breaking down all of the current NBA playoff matchups and look ahead to the conference semifinals to predict who we think will come out on top. Next, we discuss the news that all-pro safety Earl Thomas has been released by the Baltimore Ravens and debate where we think he will end up next. Finally, we go over some quick-hitting topics around NFL training camps. All that and much more coming your way right now. Nick, how's it going? We are yet another week closer to the start of the NFL season. Uh, the, it can't come fast enough, honestly. I'm just foaming at the mouth, ready for football. Uh, I, I I don't know what to do without it, and I, I would love when it's in my life. And, I mean, right on the top of my mind right now, I just talked to you about it, is fantasy football. Our draft's coming up. Uh, I, I'm, I'm putting as much work into it as possible, trying to get ready for it. I... I always think I know what I'm doing, and then it usually ends up backfiring. So I want to take it a little bit more seriously this year. I mean, to to no fault of your own last year, I mean, you had a a series of injuries right off the bat. That's what usually happens is I'll draft somebody, and they'll be be gone the next day. Like, torn ACL, gone. (laughs) You you also drafted Antonio Brown in the third round, so. Okay, he was on a team. He was an Oakland Raider. I knew he was going to be on a team whether it was by trade or he was claimed and he was claimed by the patriots everything that he did how'd that work out all right i can't help that some people you know things happened off the field where there's smoke there's fire just remember that listen the two incidents the one that happened in oakland was completely unrelated to what happened in the off-field actions when he was with new england so it is what it is. I got some uh, some good deals out of last year. I'm all set for this year. I'm ready for the for the the champ championship to come home. Yeah, for sure. Put it right behind me. Oh, I thought you meant home here. Cause no, 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 right there. No, I'm gonna mount it right on the wall. Three times in a row, baby. All right, let's get started with everything that we've got going on. We've got a lot to get to today, so. Uh, first off, this is breaking news. Right as you know, we started the show, we got the alert. Giannis Antetokounmpo named Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I honestly saw this as a pretty much no-brainer. Um, it, he won it over Anthony Davis and Rudy Gobert, who are great defensive players in their own right. But Giannis was the best defensive player on the best defensive team. I don't think you can give it to anybody else at that point in time. Uh, what do you, what'd you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't think there's much, uh, there, there's too much competition for this award besides those three. And even then, I think AD would have been the closest and still, wait, the, the way it's structured is Giannis is the only person that's really going to do anything on defense uh, for the for the Bucks, and you know, I, I th- it's all structured that way. So it, this this award is just going to be given to him unless some other team just gets a a big defensive star in the in the near future. Giannis is just uh, there. He's a, he's a freak when it comes to defense, and his offense just keeps getting stronger. And that's why he's probably going to be named MVP this year for the second year in a row. But as far as defense goes, you know, he is. Uh, an unbelievable athlete. Um, I think Anthony Davis, if he if he wasn't on the Lakers or if LeBron wasn't there, he probably would have won this award. I think if you give him enough reps, he'll have an, uh, a better chance at it. But there, there's nobody getting in the way of Giannis in Milwaukee, and I think that it's a clear path for him to get that award because you know the the Bucks are gonna be dominant all year. So you know, yeah. I mean, I think Giannis, obviously, he, you know, congratulations to him. Um, he's made such an incredible leap from when he came into the league to where he is now. Um, he joined a very elite group of players uh, to have won the Defensive Player of the Year and Most Valuable Player. Uh, he joins, if I can remember correctly, it was Giannis, Michael Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon. I believe there were two other players on that list and that's it uh i i feel like that's a pretty incredible feat to to have um you know resume wise when you're mentioned with those greats you're you're doing something right and i i think we have to seriously 
uh, look at Giannis as being the preliminary favorite to be the the face of the league post LeBron James. Yeah, you know, I I don't agree with that completely. I don't think that Giannis is the face of the league. Uh, I I'd rather much see somebody like uh, Luca or Steph or um, even Devin Booker be the face of the league. I think those guys um, are bigger stars just because they're they're more of a skill position. Giannis is just a big guy. He plays deep. He's, he's not he's not gonna make a lot of flashy plays. He's just gonna he's gonna live in the paint and make your life hell and um, he he's just great at it. He, there's there aren't many Giannis's left. The league is kind of moving away from that type of player, and uh, he he's just finding a way to um, continue to be extremely effective and the focal point of the Milwaukee Bucks uh, offense and defense. Yeah, I don't think there were. I don't think we've ever seen any player like Giannis, though. We're talking about a seven foot small forward who can dribble drive the ball any direction. He gets to the from the three point line to the basket in two steps. Uh, the man is just a, a physical freak. Uh, he dominates anybody that's guarding him, and he's just he's he's an unstoppable train. I mean. You know what? Like you, you can't stop him. You can just try to limit him. I think that's really where we see teams trying to work on Giannis. But they know that he's going to get his. He's going to average his twenty to twenty-five points a night. Um, and then there's nights where he's going to go off. You just have to limit the damage that he does and limit the damage that the rest of the team does. Focus on them for the most part. Um, but we'll we'll get more into that. Uh, as we talk more about the the Bucks themselves, but um, you had an interesting take, and you said uh, you know you'd rather see somebody like Luca become the face of the league. I think that's an interesting point because Luca has been Luca Doncic has been the talk of the town. He has been trending on Twitter for the last forty eight hours for everything that he was able to do. Um, Luca, if you guys haven't seen. Go watch the highlights of that game. Were absolutely incredible. Talking about Game Four of the series against the Clippers. Um, no, no, Kristaps Porzingis for that game. Luca is coming off two days uh, after uh, a terrible sprain to his uh, ankle. Uh, they weren't even sure if he was going to go. He said if the game was in the morning or in early afternoon, he wouldn't have been able to play. But because of when it took place as a later game, he was able to loosen it up and actually play. Um, and then, you know, hitting the game-winning shot in overtime was just incredible. Um, do you think that the Mavericks with Luka Doncic have a shot to actually upset the Los Angeles Clippers? Yeah, I think if they're going to do it, they're going to need Kristaps Porzingis. I, as, as good as, as great as Luka is right now, I, I just don't think there's enough weapons around him to to aid him in getting past the Clippers. I think that, you know, it's a tied, tied series. This It looks like it's probably going to go the distance all the way to Game 7. And, you know, if you are if you want to make the next three games, you need somebody that, to help you along the way. And Kristaps is the perfect guy for that. He, he's proven that uh, he is a detriment to the Clippers and he is... Uh, the the perfect offset to what Luca does, and I think that uh, they're gonna need him to to get past the Clippers. But uh, without without him, I don't see them getting past them past this first round. Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting. I think that the Mavs are a great matchup for the Clippers as far as a fan's uh, excitement is concerned. But for the Clippers, this is not some like. The, the Mavericks have some very tall players and the Clippers like the Boston Celtics play a lot of small ball. Um, they adopted what the golden state warriors have done for years now. And they, they utilize it power forward at center. And th they're really just trying to have a couple small forwards and a couple uh, point guards or shooting guards on the floor at all times. So this is, you know, this is a tough matchup for them to say the least. They, they have a, um, just like Milwaukee, Milwaukee's another one. A lot of tall and strong players. Um, you know, it, it's tough for shorter teams to to be able to 
challenge the, these teams. So I think this is like the perfect storm for the Mavericks. I don't think though the Mavericks have the power to overcome the Clippers because the games that the Mavericks have won, Paul George has been all but absent. I mean, he is just, I don't know where his jump shot is gone, but we need to get an APB out there for it. I mean, we really need to call the police and say, listen, y'all need to send a search party. We need to get the government involved because that man can't hit a shot if his life depended on it at this point in time. Uh, They're calling him playoff P making fun of him, but they're not calling him playoff P he calls himself playoff P and that's what happened. He can't make a shot. They're they're making fun of him. Oh yeah, I and I no, I'll call him playoff P two. You should mock him if you're gonna make him a statement like that before the playoffs and say I'm about to go off and you're like the worst player in the playoffs. Then yeah, you deserve to get mocked. It's a tough road, but the problem is is that as soon as he finds that stroke, and you know the greats always do, Paul George being one of the great players in our game today. He's going to find his stroke, and in, in, that also doesn't minimize what he's able to do on the defensive side of the ball. So he, he's he got a lot in there uh, that still has yet to be unleashed uh, completely. I don't think that the Clippers should have too much of a hard time uh, as long as Paul George can figure it out and come back to form. Yeah, I think he he might figure it out. I never know with Chris uh, with uh, uh, Paul George. You know, ever since he he broke his leg in the um, Olympics, uh, was it like four years ago? You know, I, I I just don't think he's been the same player, and I, I just he's been extremely inconsistent. You know, he he spent time last year with the Rockets, and now he's moved on to the Clippers, and he's he just he has not had like a consistent season where he's proven he can be the guy and. We always thought he he could be the the secure number two behind Kawhi, but he he hasn't really shown that, and he, he's been injury prone this season. So is Kawhi, and now you've got uh you got them both on the court, but it really only looks like Kawhi is out there. So I I just don't I I don't know where if they'll be able to keep it up or or if uh if Kawhi is going to be able to carry this team uh much further. Yeah, I just want to correct you. You said he was with the Rockets. He was with the Thunder last year. But That's right. Uh, yeah, you know, he Paul George, I'm not worried about him being able to figure it out. If it was somebody like um, you know, Lou Williams or somebody uh like Montrez Harrell who wasn't defending well or you know, something else, I might start to worry. But Paul George finding his shot I'm not going to worry too much. I think that he's going to get in the gym. He's going to get right. And before this series is over, we're going to actually see the playoff P that he was referring to, not everybody else that's mocking him. But even if he has one good game, are we going to say, oh, he's back? Like, no, I think he has to prove himself over probably three games in a row. He, he needs a consistent string of games to show that he's back into form that the Clippers can now trust him again. He doesn't need three games. He needs two because the series is tied. To- no, I, I, but it's if they want to actually do something in this playoffs, then he needs to continue beyond this this first round. Like- right, but what I'm what I'm saying is that because the Mavericks are such a, a threat to them because of the size and and uh, shooting ability that they have and that they possess, he needs to get through this series and, and the coast will be clear. I, I don't agree with that. I think that it, it still extends beyond this. But as far as this goes, all he, he doesn't even need to show up completely. He needs to just be able to hit, uh, you know, a, a quarter of his shots and, and they'll be fine. They just, they're, these games have been coming down to a couple points and it's a couple points that he should be getting them. So I, I think, you know, he doesn't have to be a, an all-star player every single game. He just needs to be an average player, and that's he's not. He's well below average right now. I th- yeah, I think you hit the nail right on the head. He's trying to do too much, right? He's trying to become the, the guy that he talked about. He's trying to become a, the superstar that we know him to be when he doesn't need to he doesn't need to force it. He just needs to let the game come to him. I think if he lets his game happen, I think he'll be fine. But the moment he starts to overextend himself is when we're seeing is what we're seeing now, and he's not truly, uh, get you know, a, getting his game up to where it should be. Yeah. Uh, but 
you know, there, there's a lot of certain things. Kristaps Porzingis has already been ruled out for tomorrow's game, so that that already goes into the Clippers' favor. Uh, obviously, the Mavericks won without him, but it had to go to a game-winning shot in overtime. Uh, and now that the Clippers have had a couple days since that game and, you know, they have uh, some extra time to realize that Kristaps isn't playing, I think they're going to come out swinging hard and uh, try to dominate this Mavericks team and, and get the lead back in their favor. Um, so, you know, I, we had a, a, a small debate, and I, I said we should pause it because I wanted to have it on here. You told me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you told me that you think Luka Doncic is the best player in the NBA. No, I said he's the best point guard in the NBA. Okay. I, th- I think he's better than Steph. Okay. I don't think he's better than Steph. And I don't even think he's better than Damian Lillard. Um, You're ridiculous. How am I ridiculous? Damian Lillard is consistently putting up 40 points or more in the in playoff. The, in the bubble. No, he was doing it all regular season. It's because he's in Portland and nobody talks about them. That's the problem. And he's also got no help. Yusuf Nurkic, gone. Don't know where he is. Yeah, CJ McCollum, he's playing support role right now. I don't know where his game is at all that much. But see, uh, Damian Lillard's doing his own damn thing. And when you know, you're talking about Luka being the best point guard. We haven't seen Steph in almost a year at this point. So you're taking what you've seen from Luka recently, and it's overshadowing your your judgment what Steph Curry is able to do on a basketball I mean, court. it's not like we've had a ton of Luka. It's been a year and a half, pretty much, of, of seeing what he can do. And he, he's a budding star. He, he's, he was doing this pre-NBA. He was doing this all throughout Spain, and I think that he's, he's just going to continue on this terrorizing path to, to be the best point guard in the league. And I, I already think he's there. I think that uh, we'll have to see how Steph comes back. And these two haven't really played a full season uh, together. Uh, it, so I think next year we're really going to see that Luka is matured into this elite point guard that is now the best in the league. And I, I think he's a top five point guard for sure, but I don't think he's the best. And I also don't I want to think... see... What? No, I want to see Damian Lillard do what Luke is doing against the Clippers. I don't think he could do it. I don't. There, I he's just not as. He's good. doing it now against the Lakers, which is an even tougher task. I mean, it's a three-one series. I don't know how much he, what he's doing, but he's doing it all himself. Uh, he didn't know, have a Kristaps Porzingis to help him out in three three games. He right, he but he has Yusuf Nurkic. How many back-to-back 60-point games has Luka Doncic had? What does it matter? How many wins has it resulted in? How many significant wins has it resulted in? Not He's doing everything he can. He can it, it, one player does not a team make, and there is nothing right, but without... more that Damian Lillard can do. When he's almost averaging a triple-double, scoring 50, 60 points a game, and he's doing. He's leaving it all out on the floor, and everybody, I, you're just discounting him because you don't. He they don't get the hype that everybody else does. Right, but without Kristaps Porzingis, who else does Luca really have? He, he he doesn't have many other people around him to to help out. He, he's doing a lot of it his by himself. It doesn't matter. You said besides Kristaps, there's the, they don't even have a player like that in Portland. So you can't even say besides Kristaps because they don't have that uh, that besides guy. I CJ McCollum ain't it. Yusuf Nurkic ain't it. I no. I, I CJ McCollum. You have to give him a little bit more credit. I without CJ support Ma- player. Without CJ McCollum, they're not beating the Grizzlies in the in the uh, game they played to, to decide who gets the eighth seed. I, oh, he had one, he had one good game. And what did you just say about Paul George? He needs to have three, but CJ McCollum, you know, we, we can well, say is we're a, not comparing CJ McCollum and Paul George, but your, your arguments are changing per player. And that, that doesn't work. No, we're if you're going to talk- if you're gonna say a player's good, then they, they need to show it consistently. You're saying that CJ McCollum isn't a support player because he had one good game. We're talking about Luka Doncic and Damian Lillard, all right? Like what? There's just taking what those two guys can do. 
I'm taking Luca nine out of ten times, probably ten out of ten times. In that, if I, I just don't think that Damian Lillard. You're also discounting. You're also discounting Kyrie Irving. You're discounting a facilitator, uh, not a shooter. Okay. You're telling me that Kyrie Irving oh, he can't can dr- shoot the ball. He can drive to the basket, have fun. He's going to shoot like four from ten from the three point line. Forty percent from three. That's literally what you, you strive okay. for. Okay, and Luca's going to hit eight out of ten every single time. He had three air balls. What are you talking about? Three air balls, but he went off in overtime. I, I like. He went off in overtime, but he had three air balls prior to that, so that makes it okay. Yeah. Does he have to be perfect? No. So does Kyrie have to be perfect? No, I'm not, this no. is what I'm saying. You are you are so blinded by the starlight of Luca right now and all the hype that he is getting that you are forgetting about what Steph Curry can do, what Kyrie Irving can do. You don't. Damian Steph? Lillard does not get the star power that Luca. So does. Steph, who's surrounded by all that talent, okay. James Harden, who has Russell Westbrook, okay. Uh, Kyrie, who has been injured for what a year and a half now. Uh, I, I, You're talking about right now. I'm talking about they, as players overall, they are better. Right, but you're taking what six years of people's uh, careers to Luca's year and a half in the league. But you, he you, also was leading professional teams in Spain to championships at age 18. So he's been playing professional. You have to give him more credit than a year and a half. He's been playing professional right since in he was Spain. Not, years old. Not at the not with Doesn't the best matter. of the best. That's a professional basketball league. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit different. I, you, I, I don't. There is no shot that Luca is the best player, is the best point guard in the league right now. Can he be? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. I think he could even be the best we've ever seen. I think he could challenge Magic Johnson. Is he right now? No shot. You're, you're bugging. You're bugging. There's no shot. I. I That's a straight cap. I, I don't know. Nah. <laughs> Nah. <laughs> um, ah, whew, a little heated. Um, speaking of heat, uh, the Heat and the Bucks. So we talked a little bit about the Bucks and everything, but the Heat and the Bucks are, are playing in the next round. Um, it's going to be one hell of a series. Uh, they they split the the uh, regular season series four to two. Um, most of the games were close. The only one that wasn't was when Jimmy Butler was out. Uh, that was like a 30-point win for the Bucs. Um, but I think, for me personally, I think the Miami Heat could be the kryptonite to the, the Milwaukee Bucks. They do everything that Milwaukee struggles against. They can shoot from the perimeter. They can drive to the basket. They completely run up and down the floor co- consistently. Um, and and they, spread, they spread these big guys out. Uh, where Brooke Lopez and Robin Lopez, they can't sit down low and, and be rim protectors. Uh, they're going to put Giannis on skates, and you know they can. They have so many different playmakers between Bam out of Io and Tyler Harrow and uh, uh, Jimmy Butler. I mean, just to list off some of the names, um, they they can do so much. I, I think that uh, Miami can truly challenge the Bucks and possibly play upset to to the number one seed. Yeah, I think it's mainly going to ride on if Jimmy Butler can stay healthy, if he can stay out there. I think the the, the only game we saw between these two in the bubble, uh, it was a close game, but that was without Jimmy Butler. And I think if they have Jimmy Butler, he's, he'll be the guy to put them over the edge. So I think he's the missing piece that they need, and they need him to be able to uh, play all seven games of the series uh, if they want a chance at beating the Bucks, I, I just don't think... I, I love the talent that the Heat have. I think they're going to be something special one day. But without Jimmy Butler there to to bring everything together, I don't see it he's happening. There. Right, but he, he he's dealing with an injury. And I'm saying if he gets if he continues to uh, get more injured and, and can't go for a game or two, that could be the nail in the coffin for the Miami Heat. I, I understand that. And like I said, I, I did preface it by saying that the one blowout – was when Jimmy Butler was absent because I think Jimmy Butler is one of the only players in the NBA that can stand 
1v1 with Giannis and actually defend him without having to foul or with, you know, can actually go toe to toe with him defensively. Um, with that being said, uh, it's a tall task for sure. I understand that 100%. Um, but I don't think it's impossible and I don't even think it's impractical. I think it's a definite possibility that, 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 uh, the Miami heat could play upset to, to the Milwaukee Bucks. Just, just, it's like the Mavericks. It's just how they match up physically and how the games match up against each other. I think these, these aspects truly have to come into play unless you see Giannis, you know, go off for 50 plus points. And then, you know, even then, I, I don't know if he has the the shooting around him to to actually get it there. I mean, you know, Dante DiVincenzo is one player, but outside of that, I, I don't know who else is going to be able to to help them out all that much. Yeah, I I think that it's gonna it's gonna be a close series in the beginning, but I think the Bucks you they tend to find a way to to get through, and I think that's what they're gonna rely on. They're gonna just rely on their coaching to figure out a game plan throughout the series it's it i i could i could see the the heat winning a game or two but i definitely don't see them winning the entire series it yeah it'll be interesting i think i think the this will be one of the um the series for everybody whether you like either of these teams or not i think this is one of those series where you truly need to uh you know pay attention and, and need to watch it uh, for sure. Um, but I, I want to jump over to the, to the next series that's going to happen in the East. And that would be our Celtics, right? <laughs> Go Celtics, um, Celtics versus Raptors. So, um, that's an incredible series. It seems like every year we're seeing these two play in the, in the, uh, playoffs. Um, but Kyle Lowry diagnosed with an ankle sprain, he's going to be a game time decision. That's all the way to Thursday. So if he's going to be a game time decision on Thursday, it's not looking very likely that he might play, um, or, or shows that it's also pretty serious, right? Um, Gordon Hayward still out with his grade three ankle sprain, which loss do you think is bigger Kyle Lowry or Gordon Hayward? I think the bigger loss is Kyle Lowry. I think he means more to the Raptors. I think we we have we've seen the Celtics in the last two games of the the sweep against the Sixers. We saw them play extremely well together. I thought they actually played better without Gordon Hayward than they did with him. But Gordon Hayward, his his numbers prove it that when he's in the game, he he's scoring uh, extremely proficiently, and I think that he he definitely. How it aids to um, a, a very smoother ride to to a victory than without him. But I think that when it comes to cohesion, the Celtics definitely seem to play better without him. Even though they're they're not getting as much uh, production if they if they actually had him on the court. And I think that's where the Raptors are going to fall apart. Is Kyle Lowry has, has stepped up this year. He's become a huge factor for the Raptors and their success without Kawhi Leonard. And I think without him, they're going to, they're going to start to suffer a little bit. So I think that um, Kyle Lowry is definitely the, the bigger loss in the series. I think I agree with you. I think Kyle Lowry is the biggest, the bigger of the two losses. Gordon Hayward's uh, absence is also pretty well noted. Uh, he's a, one of the best defensive players on the Celtics roster and in fact, you know, he he's a great shooter. He's a great facilitator. He can do anything you ask of him on on the offensive side of the ball, and he's willing to guard whoever you want <clears throat> on the defensive side of the ball. So I think he's a he's a major loss. Obviously, he's a starter, so you know his loss is going to be felt. But having a player like uh, Shemi Ojale step up or Marcus Smart, who uh, usually enters the the fray in in the starting lineup for uh, one when a player goes down I think this is going to be a a huge uh, opportunity for them to to show out and show up um, but I the thing is with Gordon Hayward I think that he'll be back sooner than they were saying I think they said four weeks from when he first got injured I think that's just I think that's being overly cautious with his ankle uh, just you know and again it is the same ankle that 
you know, he had the horrific injury with. Um, so they, I'm sure they want to be a little cautious. But for an ankle sprain, I mean, there's no reason that it should be two, three weeks tops before he's back playing and starting for the Celtics. I think when it comes to Gordon Hayward, you definitely want to take it cautious with him. He, he's had a lot of injuries uh, over the last few years, and uh, it seems that he, he's just hasn't been a very durable player for the Celtics. So you want to make sure that Key can go the rest of the way um, if, the, if the team is still there. So you'd rather him wait a couple more games and be a lot more durable than rush him back and have him get re-injured and that possibly sack you know he, he might even be worse off uh coming into next season as well uh you don't know what kind of uh irreparable damages you're gonna have if, if you rush a player back and we've seen that in other sports happens all the time where you bring somebody back from a knee injury or an ankle injury and they re-injure that and and it just becomes even more severe and harder for that player to recover from yeah, I you know again with a with an ankle sprain, I think it's a little different. They did they did perform an MRI. There wasn't anything too severe. They didn't show anything structurally wrong with the ankle. Everything is still holding up from his surgeries and all his rehab and everything. So I think I don't think there's much to worry about at that point. You just want to make sure that a he has full feeling in in his foot and ankle so that he doesn't have a propensity to roll it again. And I think you want to make sure that he feels comfortable going, you know, being able to run and gun and uh, slash down to the, to the basket. I mean that, you know, pre horrific injury, was it two, three years ago now, two years ago? I think it was two years ago. Yeah. Um, he was one of the best slashers in the game. I mean, he was cut and, and obviously, you know, that's how he got hurt was slashing to the basket. He was going up for a, a an alley-oop, which was uh, over his head. He came down and just, you know, the rest is history. Um, so, so I understand. And a lot of it is mental. He needs to get it. I've, I've seen it in his game. He needs to get out of his head and stop. He, I think he worries too much about the, the ankle. He needs to go out there and play his game of basketball. Uh, it seems like he, he's a little hesitant, uh, you know, slashing to the basket or when it comes to dribble driving, um, you know, it seems like he's become more of a facilitator because he, he's a little nervous about driving into traffic. And uh, again, as a human, I understand it, but as a professional basketball player, I mean, you know, if that's what you made your bread and butter on, I think that's what you need to utilize to your advantage. Yeah, it, it tends to happen to to some of the best, and it, it could be a real career killer for him, for them. And uh, I, I I would love to see the the Gordon Hayward pre leg injury, but I, I highly doubt that player is ever coming back. And I, I don't mind the player that. Gordon Hayward has turned into I think he's still a very consistent player and has a lot of value but uh, I, I, I agree with you I think he is a little too much in his head and if he wants to uh, play as uh, you know a lot more consistent he, he needs to just forget about it and just focus on playing ball yeah for sure um, I mean Gordon Hayward obviously injured his ankle against the 76ers and it didn't matter because the Celtics didn't need Gordon Hayward to sweep the 76ers. Uh, obviously, the Sixers are without Ben Simmons, but they still had Tobias Harris. They had Al Horford, former Celtic. Um, and obviously, their big star, Joel Embiid, still there. Uh, Josh Richardson, great point guard. Uh, and Shake Milton, who was a, a really uh, profound rookie that they had this year. So, you know... All in all, not bad of a team, uh, but they got swept out of the playoffs. That's not good, <laughs> to say the least. And uh, it seems like ownership felt the same way because the 76ers uh, have officially fired uh, head coach Brett Brown. Uh, he will no longer be part of the 76ers. Do you think that this is the only thing that the 76ers should do? Should they uh, continue firing all of you know, the front office, 
Do they need to blow up their their superstars? Like, where do you see them going next? No, I think it's a combination of all of it. I think the start was getting rid of Brent Brown, but I think you need to restructure the front office, get rid of the GM. You need to get somebody in there who's going to uh, make the tough calls, such as trading Joel Embiid or trading Ben Simmons to get somebody who's going to compliment them better. Because although over the last couple of years, they, they have been pretty dominant on the floor together, this year... They on the floor together. They have been absolutely terrible, and I think that it, it it's in part due to everything. I think it, the culture change ha- has had a severe effect on them, and it all starts with the the GM bringing in players like Al Horford, who have had a, a bad impact on Joel Embiid. It seems like those two just don't get along, and uh, they can't coexist. And Al Horford is being turned into this other player, and they need to have better surrounding talent that isn't trying to steal spotlight away from them that know their role. You can't get too many big names on one court because in the NBA, it's all ego. And if you don't get the ball, then then you're going to get upset, you know, if, if or you're going to try to hold on to the ball as much as possible, and it's just going to go go haywire for you. And that's what we saw. Al Horford was trying to do too much. Joel Embiid was trying to do too much. Ben Simmons was trying to do too much. And, and they're all trying to do too much at the same time. And it, it's just a, a, a mess waiting to happen. So I think... You, you need to continue to make the changes, get rid of um, the GM and, and whoever the new GM is. Try to shop Joel Embiid. Try to shop Ben Simmons. You got to get one of them out of there. And you um, you can get another all-star player or get a top five pick in the draft probably. And I think this is the draft where you want to have as much draft capital as possible because there, there's plenty of talent here that could be your future. Yeah, for sure. Um you know, when when we first brought this topic up, um, two thoughts came to mind for me. The first one is, uh, I don't believe Brett Brown should have been the first casualty or possibly even a casualty of what's going on here. I think that we have, we as fans have lost the ability to hold players accountable I don't think that Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, and uh, uh, Al Horford are being given the accountability that they need to hold because the fact remains that they, the 76ers front office, took, uh, was it $109 million, gave it to Al Horford to get him away from Boston. They also gave two hundred, uh, sorry, a hundred and eighty million, and gave it to Tobias to Harris to fill the role that was left, the hole that was left by um, Jimmy Butler going to Miami. So you have these players that are supposed to fill roles uh, that they're supposed to, you know, bolster the team, and they ended up performing worse than where they started. And the other thought I had was. Uh, we had Jimmy Butler and we had JJ Redick who both left the 76ers and talked about how toxic that locker room is, how bad the entire aura of the 76ers is. And they, and they say it's from top down. So when I hear top down, I don't think GM, I think ownership, I think ownership needs a whole complete restructure. I think the GM needs to go. Maybe Brett Brown was one of those pieces needs to go but i'd also think just like you that Bre- uh, that uh, joel Embiid, ben simmons need to be broken up i don't think that they can coexist i don't think that their games complement each other at all they they basically do the same thing joel Embiid isn't a very consistent three-point shooter he can hit the shot just fine but he's not consistent uh i believe he shoots just under 30 percent from three uh i could be mistaken uh that's a little low um but and it's not enough to space the floor with Ben Simmons, who has a very lacking uh, jump shot. I mean, you know, you talk about Paul George's at this point in time. Where's Ben Simmons' jump shot since he entered the league? You know, it, it's pretty uh, remarkable that he, you know, he can't shoot the ball. Um, and then we also take a look at Markel Fultz, who is thriving in Orlando with the Magic, and nobody saw that coming. But as soon as he hits the 76ers, 
it was all downhill. It looked like he was going to be a bust. People called him uh, a bust. People labeled him as, uh, you know, just a wash and that, you know, he wasn't able to uh, keep up with the NBA coming out of uh, Washington. Um, and it seems like Philadelphia is the consistent outlier with all of these issues. And I think that we need to truly think about breaking up the the two superstars and a whole restructure from the top down kind of makes you think what would it be like if tatum actually was drafted by the sixers that would i mean that that is one of the greatest deals that nobody talks about the fact that the celtics were able to finesse uh the 76ers into selecting markel fultz right they select markel fultz the the celtics get the third overall pick which they take Jason Tatum and they get another first round pick from Philadelphia on top of it. I mean, that is one of the biggest finesse moves I've ever seen from management. And I mean, trader Danny doing his thing, always, you know, try scheming something. He he's like the bridge troll. He's always getting you one way or another. And uh, you know, he, he got the Sixers uh, just like he got the Nets, uh, you know, was it five or six years ago now? Um <laughs> he's making his rounds around the league that's for damn sure for sure yeah um so you know th- there's a lot that needs to be done um another team that everybody wants to break up and we talked a little bit about but the the uh portland trailblazers sorry i had a brain fart there um Damian Lillard has been ruled out for tomorrow's game five against the Lakers with a right knee sprain. Portland's already down in the series three to one. Uh, Nick, quickly, do you think the Trailblazers have any chance to hold off the Lakers and force a game six? No, I don't think so. I think it's too late. And I think the, the Lakers are starting to find their groove. I think they're they're finally turning the team we thought they were. And it only took some time. Uh, they had eight games in the, in the uh, regular season, in the bubble. I, and now we're, what, 14 no, not even. 11 games into the season. 12 games into the season. Yeah. So uh, it, it only took some time for them to find their groove. And I think that this is the Lakers that we thought we were going to get in the bubble. And we're, and we're finally getting them now. So I think it's going to be tough for anybody coming through the West to, to make their way through the Lakers at this point. I, I think the, the Lakers are, are about to catch on fire. And I, I really don't see many teams uh, putting up a fight against them. It's interesting. I think the Lakers uh, will easily win this game without Damian Lillard. Um, obviously, one of the best players, you know, top 10 player in the NBA, in my opinion. Um, you know, he he consistently leads his team to 50 to 60 points, uh, especially in the playoffs. I don't see where that production's going to be filled on the rest of the team. Yeah, you know, it's, it's unless CJ McCollum's not. going off for for 40 and then Yusuf Nurkic gets another 35 and you know I, I just I really don't see where all that production is going to be coming from so I, I think this is the end of the road for the trailblazers um but the the one thing that concerns me about the Lakers is their depth I still don't see the depth in that roster for them to be able to truly contend with the likes of Denver the Clippers um if you know, Den- I mean at this point, it looks like the Jazz are going to be the team that makes it out of that series. Even Utah, I, I think Utah can definitely hold them. You know, hold them to. I, I uh, think I think a, a lot of the series. teams in the West struggle with depth issues, so it's not just the Lakers. I don't think they're going to have to face too many teams that are extremely deep uh, past their their first team. So I, I, it's not too big of a worry for me. No, I'm not, I'm not too sure. I, I think the the Clippers are one of the deepest teams in the league, so I think that. You know, if if that's where it comes down to, if it comes to the Lakers Clippers, we're truly going to see. Yeah, the but we're also talking about a Clippers tested. team that can't get past the Mavericks right now. But again, as we talked about in the opener, I think that has a lot to do with the fact that the Mavericks' size and mobility and ability to spread the floor, everybody can shoot from their their center on down. Everybody can shoot a three, so it's tough for the Clippers because they can't play their small ball type of of uh game that they like to play yeah and who there's there really isn't many teams with uh, that have the size like the lakers i mean you're, you're talking about their three four five that's extremely big 
And I, I think that it, it's going to be tough for, for the Clippers. Well, Kawhi is going to be one-on-one with LeBron, and I think Paul George will be one-on-one with Anthony Davis. Um, that, that's and a then huge difference, though, in, in size. You're, yeah, size, it's not, for sure. But, there's no way but it's you're apples talking about apples. Paul George, who's a top defensive player in the league. We'll, we'll get to that when, when the time comes. I don't, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Um, but the fact remains that the, the Lakers will easily force a game six, or uh, will easily... Uh, close the series out and the Blazers won't be able to get to game six. Um, so I think that's it for the NBA that we have. Um, I do want to move on. We have some quick topics in the NFL. Um, not a whole hell of a lot of news, some injuries and things to go up uh, to update you all with. Uh, the first and the biggest news, um, former all pro safety, Earl Thomas released by the Ravens uh, after his second fight with a teammate in the last two years. Um, This also comes after, uh, you know, he's had multiple blown assignments uh, in games and in practice. He's been late to meetings. Um, Information has come out left and right from the team. Uh, Their in-house players council has already had to meet with him and they, they talked about how he wasn't a good leader and he wasn't a good fit um, for their team. I, I think a lot of this stems from the fact that his play style um, doesn't co- coincide with what the Ravens are doing. The Ravens like to play a lot of cover two and a lot of cover four, right? They like to have two safeties over the top. Earl Thomas is like an Ed Reed type. He likes to do his own thing, but he loves to stay in the middle of the field in a cover three uh, type of defense where he can roam the top of the field and in the middle of the field and he can play center fielder and go after deep balls, but also come crashing in the box on run plays and and be assertive that way. So I don't think he fit the the Ravens scheme. And I think that a lot of these things came from, a lot of their frustrations came from his ability to not conform to their, their scheme. And then it, you know, it boiled over to last year, his fight with Brandon Williams, the nose tackle this, this year, his fellow safety. How often do you see players on the same side of the ball fighting each other? I've seen scuffles in practice before I've seen it, you know, I've seen fights I've seen, but it's usually, you know, a corner and a wide receiver or a, or a defensive player end in a, in a tackle or somebody like that, right? Never have I seen two defensive players, let alone two safeties, fight each other on the field at practice. No, it doesn't happen that much. And this is consistent behavior by Earl Thomas. I used to be a fan of Earl Thomas, and I really, I, I, I don't find myself to be one anymore. I just don't, I don't support, I don't support players who don't, buy into the team culture and i was fine with it when he was it was upset with what was going on in uh seattle the the team like the the legion of boom was kind of falling apart by then he was just upset with the entire team and and we all saw when he flipped off the the team while, while he's being carted off and then then he went to baltimore and like you said last year for he had a, he had a fight with a defensive player this year again, he he's just not the player they thought they were buying into. He he really is like a cancer in the locker room. He that's just not the type of player you want around yourself. And I I can't really find a good fit for him in the NFL right now. And I know there's big talk about him going to the Cowboys and the the talks or the the relationships he has with Jerry Jones. But you know what? The look, the Cowboys seemed like they're about to strike gold this season, and I feel like he is the Earl Thomas is the worst piece you could possibly add to this puzzle. He he may add some uh, depth at the safety position and, and be a, a decent safety for you, but what he's gonna do off the field, it, it's just not. I I don't think it's a good fit, and you're you're gonna throw that on a brand new coach with the team, Mike McCarthy. I just. I don't see it working out. It just doesn't make much sense. And and when I try to think of where he could go, the Bucks or the Saints or some other team that could use a free safety like Earl Thomas, I I just don't th- I don't think it's a good fit. I really don't. I like the Cowboys as a fit for Earl Thomas. Um, but I I have three 
major possibilities where I think he could end up. Dallas is the number one and obvious choice. There was an, a report earlier by Ian Rappaport that said the Cowboys were not interested. Jerry Jones came out and said himself that that is absolutely not true and that Ian Rappaport needed to uh, check his sources, which is a very strong statement from the owner himself. Um, that's not somebody you want to be pissing off. And uh, so Ian Rappaport, who's rarely wrong, by the way, I, I love Ian Rappaport. I think he's very credible. Um, you know, I, I think that was a misstep on, on whoever was feeding him information. Um, San Francisco is another one. Uh, not that they need him necessarily, but to pair him up with uh, Richard Sherman, uh, get, he can get back at Seattle uh, by signing over there. I think that scheme-wise, they, they run a lot of cover three. They also run a lot of man-to-man um, and single high safety. I think that he could flourish in, in a system like that. Um, I think he'd do really well there. And the, the last one, which I think is a far stretch, and I doubt this will happen, but the Buffalo Bills, I think he could really – uh, he could really thrive in Buffalo. They don't need him. They have plenty of talent at the safety position and in the back in the defensive backfield as a whole. But I think Earl Thomas could definitely fit in uh, in in Buffalo in their system as well. Yeah, I I just don't see it. Like you said, the the Bills they have Jordan Poyer and they have Micah Hyde, two of the best yeah. safeties in the league. He, he he's not going to be a starter, and and I don't think he's going to take uh, a pay cut to go anywhere uh, and to be a backup or he, he's not going to get paid. Um, he'll he'll want to get paid too much to be a backup. And so wherever he goes, he'll have to be a starter. And then when in San Francisco, I think you really need to, they're, they're really focused on getting healthy wide receivers in the door. They just lost three of their four top wide receivers. So they need to fill those holes. They're trying to get people in the door as quickly as possible to learn that system. And, and I think adding uh, a safety like Earl Thomas is the last thing on their mind right now. And that's where I I've thought about a lot of these scenarios. I just don't see a good fit. And with everything going on with teams, not having a lot of practice time with uh, COVID going on, maybe, maybe Earl Thomas just sits the season out and, and or or maybe he just needs to call it a career at this point. You know, he just made twenty something million dollars off of the the Ravens for a, a season's worth of play. Twenty two million dollars, and, and he has all that all that money from Seattle. He doesn't need to be in the NFL anymore. I think it might be time for him to hang it up. I mean, he's a seven time Pro Bowler. He's a I think two time All Pro. Yeah, he's he, probably he's a future Hall of Famer. Possibly, it'll definitely be debated for sure. Um, especially with how things have gone toward the end of the career. He's with, very similar to Eric Weddle, in my opinion. Yeah, just, uh, you know, Eric Weddle was a, a consummate professional, and he was very... Well, I'm not uh, saying... I'm talking about, like, on the field, not off the field or I think situations. on the field, he's closer to Ed Reed than anybody else. Uh, just the way he plays ball and uh, the way he's a center fielder, and, and he kind of anticipates... Uh, the plays I, I that's who I liken him to a lot and um, you know they 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 have you know if he continues to play they could have very similar careers Ed Reed ended with both the Jets and the Houston Texans at the end of his career so you know pe- people remember the Baltimore days but that they, they don't really remember that his time in New York or in Houston <clears throat> yeah, I just think I think he's starting to leave a bad taste in people's mouths with all this talk with uh with the fights with the Ravens and and his um his miscues while he was with Seattle. And and you got to think these are with two very player-friendly coaches, John Harbaugh and Pete Carroll, and I just don't see how you can be such a a detriment to your team in a system like that. It just blows my mind. I think one of the most damning things that I saw come out out of all of this is that uh, about two days before his fight with Chuck Clark, um, he apparently he was late to a, a team meeting uh, and his excuse was he had to get his car washed. So that was, I think, the writing on the wall for the organization to get him the hell out of town. And yeah. now... Uh, by him fighting a teammate, they were able to use the same uh, 
language that Oakland used with Antonio Brown, and they said contract detrimental to the team was the reason that they were able to release him. So that way uh, they can try to get some of that $10 million for this season back that they currently owe him. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see how this all plays out. Um, but right now, <laughs> there, there, there's a lot happening, and it looks like Earl Thomas might be the the one left out. I think his best shot right now is the Dallas Cowboys themselves. And I don't, I you know, as a, uh, you know, obviously the Patriots are my number one team, that, you know, die hard no matter what. But they, I love the Cowboys, and I would, I don't know if I'd be happy to see him rocking that that blue and white on on Sunday. I just. I don't know. The star on his helmet just doesn't seem fitting to me. Yeah, I think um, there's probably one team we can we can count out when it comes to signing Earl Thomas, the Arizona Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I, I think if he hadn't had some of these missteps, you would have seen other teams try try to go after him. I know that um, you know he would have been a great fit in New England. Uh, the New York Jets definitely could have. This is without if he didn't have the off-field stuff going on and he was just released. Um, I, I think that there would definitely be some suitors. Um, one of those suitors was who could have been the Cleveland Browns, right? Grant Delpit, their rookie safety, looked like an absolute phenom of a player out for the year with a torn Achilles. Um, it's just it's heartbreaking. Um, because, you know, he's just getting his career started. He's a young guy. Obviously, the Achilles being a muscle is much easier to come back from than like a torn ACL, which is cartilage or, or you know, uh, breaking a bone or, you know, whatever. Um, so it, it'll be tough. It'll be a long road back. But um, Nick, what, what were your thoughts when you heard this? Yeah, no, this is devastating. Grant Delpit was my favorite safety coming out of the draft this year. I, I loved his tape from LSU. I thought he, I still think he's going to be a stud in the league. I, I think he's going to be very similar to Derwin James. Uh, and I think that it's, we're just going to have to wait a year. It's going to be kind of like trust the process in this aspect. But uh, for now, the <laughs> uh, for now, I think we're going to have to uh, just see what the Browns can do without him. If, if they, I, they have plenty of talent there. Their, their secondary is very young, but they have experience now in the, in the league. I think they can start to progress and, and take steps forward, and I think they could still do that with, without Grant Delpit, and I think they'll be perfectly fine, but just know when he comes back that he's going to play a significant factor for this this Cleveland defense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they, they have the corners already addressed, and um, you know, the, he was supposed to solidify the back end as their safety, and <laughs> Um, unfortunately he won't be able to do that this year, but he's still got a bright future ahead of him. I'm very excited to see what he can do. I think Cleveland, uh, he, they lose a, a really good player, somebody that they were counting on, but it's not the end of the world for them. And I think, I think they'll be able to continue moving forward. Um, you know, you, you mentioned that Earl Thomas, uh, you know, won't be going to, to Arizona. No, sir. Right. Buda <laughs> Baker has now become the highest paid safety in the NFL in NFL history. Um he signed <clears throat> excuse me. He signed an extension, I believe it was four years fifty nine million. Am I, I'm, yeah, I'm no, like, that sounds about right. Yeah. Um he signed an incredible uh extension to stay with the team. Um I I beg the question. Is he worth it? <laughs> is, is he, he worth he, the highest it's, paid it's... safety in NFL history? Because to think about some of the safeties that have come out of this league, and obviously we're in a much escalated yeah, you era have to of the put it in perspective. But we're talking about Jamal Adams. We're talking about well, well, hold on. Um, we're talking about Jamal Adams who hasn't gotten paid yet. No, I I understand that, but we're talking about some of these players that are making that are might be better than him that are significantly you know I, you can name the safety but i i think that they're i think it was it wasn't earl, Tom, out there. earl thomas was the highest paid safety before him so so now he, yeah he, he was he, he takes that spot and so i think when you look at the safeties no he's not the best safety 
in the the NFL. Is he a top five safety? Probably. But I think, and, and when you look at the other top five safeties, a lot of them haven't been paid yet because they're still two, three years into the league. So I think that you, we we need we're gonna we're gonna see over the next year or two that he becomes the the fourth highest paid safety in the league. But uh, I I think that Buda Baker I, he he went off last year. He was absolutely amazing. He he was just making game changing plays for them. And it was uh, a huge benefit to them, and now they've got even more talent. They they swindled the Texans uh, for with and got DeAndre Hopkins, and I think that's going to pay play huge dividends for uh, for them. Uh, you got Kyler Murray, who's going to take a huge step this year. A lot of people think he's going to take the same step that Lamar Jackson took in his second year. So I think that there's a lot going for this team, and they want to make sure all these young guys stay around. They want to make and sure at- that. Look, look at who Buda Baker's playing next to, that uh, their new rookie, their fresh shiny new toy. That well, they got there. well, that that's where it's interesting. Does Isaiah Simmons play safety? Does he play linebacker? And he probably plays safety right off the bat because they went out in free agency and got a bunch of linebackers. So I think there's no room for him um, at the linebacker sport. Uh, but he can come down and play in the box. He can play a slot corner he can play safety literally he can and play so can buda baker i mean right. buda baker when you break down his his snaps he played everything from defensive end outside linebacker middle linebacker and safety all last year and some slot corner just a little bit i i'm you don't get much more versatile than that to me uh i, th- I think that is the definition of of what you're looking for in a in a plug and play type of guy yeah i, th- I think there's a lot of upside and i think <laughs> Having Isaiah Simmons and Buda Baker for the next four years together, it's going to be huge. And those are great building blocks. Pat Pete's getting up there in age. You're probably not going to be able to stick around much more than a couple more years. So you're you're going to have to start rebuilding that secondary, secondary around somebody. Why not it be Buda Baker and Isaiah Simmons? Yeah, for sure. I, I like both of them a lot. Um, you know, it, it's hard for me to to get around the the figure I, I just confirmed it it was four years 59 million dollars for his extension um that that's a lot of money um but you know what they they gotta pay somebody might as well be the the guy they want to build their you know the back end of their defense around yeah so and i think when you I'm look for it and and we look at the new cba so it's i don't i, I when you when we take that into account it's really not that lucrative because they're not going to have to pay Kyler for a few more years, and at that point, the salary cap's going to be a lot higher, and, and it's going to put this this Buda Baker contract more into perspective. And we don't know how it's structured too. It might be front loaded, so they have more that's room. Also, in- well, that's also assuming we get back to normal because you know the NFL decided to take twenty five million away from teams this yeah, year. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. They're adding money next year, and you know things are all change- changing all around. Yeah, I. I- I think that uh, keeping him around, though, it's it's a good good decision by by the Cleveland. Or I'm sorry, by the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, for sure. Um, one thing that's also staying from last year is that Tyrell Williams will be playing the entire season with a torn labrum once again. Uh, stupid idiot. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know I how mean, else I to mean, put it. You're not, you're not wrong, right? You're not wrong. Um, this guy, he, did it, you hear how he heard it though? He, no, how do you hear so, it? So he, he would, they were playing, uh, seven, I think it was seven on seven, no pads. So they were just going light and he goes for a diving catch and lands on his shoulder. Like, like, I don't know what you're trying to do. Don't be flashy when it doesn't count. Like, what's the point? So, and, and now he's, it must be something in the, in the water that Gruden's given these guys, man, because holy shit, they are just. There's something completely going on in there in that you talk about Antonio Brown last year. He hurt his late uh, Tyrell Williams hurt his labrum last year, played the season with it. Now he's going to have to do it again. That's a painful injury to go through the entire season with. Right. Right. And, and, you know, if he's injured and he's going to start taking a backseat to Henry Ruggs, Braylon Edwards, a lot of these young guys, uh, they, they got a lot of uh, young rookie talent. And I think that, they're they're gonna start taking over, and Tyrell Williams might end up being uh, a a backup player for them, playing the third or or fourth slot. Yeah, I I think it's uh you know 
it, it's going to be very tough. Um, you know, they, they have a lot of uh, really good talent on their roster. And um, I think you met Brian Edwards, just so you know, Braylon Edwards is well retired, sitting at home, comfortably relaxing. Um, uh, similar names. I'm <laughs> yes, not the best with names. I think we've uh, come to that cl- conclusion by now. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the uh, the last bit of news that we had, uh, just something to you know to end the night with, the the ex Seahawk uh, player who uh, was caught for sneaking a woman into his hotel uh, or trying to at least, uh, obviously was cut. We we talked about that uh, recently. Uh, he did apologize publicly for for his misstep, and uh, you know at this point in time, it's. We don't know if he'll be back on the team, but at least he apologized, right? I mean, yeah, I read the apology. I thought it was very sincere. I thought uh, it was very well written. So he seems like a semi-smart guy. I mean, he's clearly somewhat stupid <laughs> for for what he did. Uh, I, well, I, he I, was he was thinking with the wrong head, you know. What I'm hey, hey, so yeah, like no, he, I, he was... I got you, I got you. But <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're an undrafted free agent uh, or an undrafted rookie, so I think you have to be on your best P's and Q's if you want to make that team. And especially the Seahawks, which seem to get deeper and deeper uh, as they keep acquiring more people. So I think that uh, you really need to watch what you do. And this was the one of the dumbest things you could possibly do, especially in the circumstances we're living in. Yeah, for sure. You know, it was, it was a, it was a tough way to go out and, you know, you're trying to make it in the NFL and, you know, unfortunately, he threw it away because he couldn't help his urges or whatever the case was. But... He'll uh, he'll probably end up like my buddy Max Roshkoff over in the UFC, out out of a job and never never getting back. That that, that's just right. that's just the way it is. It's business. I you know I heard The Rock was calling and he was looking for somebody like that <laughs> to uh, join the hey, XFL. The XFL will be up and running next year, and uh, I'm sure he'll get another shot that way. So we'll yeah. we'll see we'll see if he's uh if he's worth another shot. Yeah, for sure. All right, I think that's gonna do it all for this week. Um, greatly appreciate everybody who got to the end of the video. Um, make sure to hit the like button, comment, subscribe. Uh, we greatly appreciate anything that you can do to uh, help support our channel. Uh, just watching and hanging out with us is always uh, fun for us. This is what we love to do. Uh, If you'd like to see us talk about anything else in the next week or whatever, make sure to comment on the video. Let us know. We're always trying to uh, reach out. Um, You know, we talk to people on Twitter. Uh, Make sure to check in the description for our socials. And, uh, you know, everything will be right there for you. Um, With that being said, I hope you all have a great week. We're going to check back in with you, and uh, we'll, we'll see you next week. Take care. See you.